Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I'm glad that you could join us here online. We're week two inside our building that's been renovated. I hope you can come check it out sometime. We're on the same schedule for the messages, so if you come, you'll just pick up right where you left off here online, but I hope you can come check it out sometime sometime soon. We are continuing on with our elections message series. We have election coming up in November, and so we want to uncover the Bible's perspective on God's involvement in the course of history and how that informs a Christ follower's attitude and actions towards politics in our country. Here's a quick recap of of what we looked at last week uh, to get us ready for what we're going to look at this week. Uh, We looked at how God, not princes, not politicians, God should be the focus of our hope. This is important for us to remember in an election year. It's so easy to start transferring our trust towards a certain person we want to get elected or towards the election outcome that we want to see happen. But that's not where our hope is. Christ followers' hope is in God and God alone. Last week, we also looked at the importance of truth as the foundation for our republic. There's a vital connection between God's God's absolute truth and the strength of our republic to do good for the people. God's command to authorities is to serve the good of the people under them. And he holds them accountable for this. So we can trust God to do that for us. Now, you might be here and maybe some of the things I just said already you don't agree with. You don't agree with God's um, authority over the the authorities or things like that. Well, I'm so glad that you are here checking out what it means to be a Christ follower, checking out what how this all works. you know, as as we look at the things today, we're talking about how the Bible has given his given Christ followers guidance on how to move forward in this area of politics and, and the elections. And so you'll get a better picture of what it looks like to follow Christ in this area. And I hope that you just continue to check out what it means to follow Christ. There's some typical responses that Christ followers have to politics and elections. I think that I've experienced them at one time or another. My attitude towards politics has just kind of changed over time. Um, I remember the first time going to vote at a real estate office in Diamond Bar, uh, California, and I was just excited to be a part of the process. I wanted to to watch all the election results, and, and I was really in tune to what was going on. There was just this excitement to be a part of the process of, of influencing what we did in our government. Then I went to college, and my attitude, it, it kind of shifted some. I, I realized it's important, it's an important responsibility, but God's in control. So it's really not, not that big of a deal what happens in, in politics. I don't really need to pay attention to it too much. Then in my mid-twenties, I started to look more into, what does the Bible say about this area? And I started having kids and a family, and one of my kids was born right around election time. And I remember being in the hospital with my, with my baby, holding them and looking and, and, and seeing the election results come in and thinking, oh no, what is happening in our country? 
where are we going? And it was, it, it rocked me some. There I was in, in the hospital with my baby thinking, what is the future going to look like for them? I had transferred some of my trust into the, the politics. Christians take different approaches to engaging the world and the culture that, that they live in. When you decide to follow Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, your destiny changes. You're now on your way to heaven, a place where you are going to fully experience God as He is meant to be. In heaven, God will reign, and we will enjoy His kingdom under His rule. Since we have this promise of heaven, some believers take a we're just simply passing through this life uh, approach to living in, in the world. They hit the pause button on political involvement and just think, we're just passing through. It's not, a, not that big of a deal. We shouldn't get that involved in what's going on. Other Christ followers have a much different approach to what's going on in politics around them. Our country's been considered a Christian nation, so some adopt the God and country, wrap the flag around the cross mindset, where um, the United States and the kingdom of God are closely tied together, and the person who adopts this as their value, you, you can really get shaken when you start to see the United States drift away from Christian values. It's disturbing to watch that slide. For some, God's, or for sure, not for some, for all Christ followers, God's rule is above any government. Our ultimate hope is God and our ultimate loyalty belongs to Him and not to any specific government over us. But at the same time, God has placed us in our country for a purpose. He expects us to do more than just wait it out. Just wait it out to the end of life until we we go into heaven. There's a passage that clearly reveals what God expects for His people in relation to the world and the society that He puts um, us in. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah, and it's written to the people of Israel while they were in exile in Babylon. Now, the exile was discipline for the nation because they had turned away from following God who had done miraculous things for them to establish them as a nation. Now, the Babylonians were barbarians. Now, this wasn't just, you know, fun, playful barbarians like you see in the movies or TVs. They were savage and brutal. Their way of life was about as opposite as it could be from God's way and His ideal for Israel. They conquered the nation of Israel and they brought them to their land to live in Babylon, which was very foreign to the Israelites, and it was disgusting to them. Get a taste of this. You, you might think about what it would be like to be kidnapped by a Mexican drug cartel and taken to their city in Mexico to live under their control. So this is the setting For what is said here, and God speaks through his prophet Jeremiah to the Israelites, and and look what he says. It gives us so much instruction for what we are to do in our country today. We see in this passage that God plants his people in nations to seek the good of the society in which we live. 
Jeremiah 29, 5-9 says, Build houses and live in them. Plant garden, gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. God is saying through the prophet, don't check out. Just hit the pause button and, and wait this out. You're, I know you're in exile, but don't do that. Here is what you are to focus on while you're in this foreign land, while you're in this different place. It says in verse 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Saying live life in a way that promotes the welfare of the place in which you live. Beyond that, pray to God and ask Him to bless these people. These people that had just conquered you. He's saying, ask Him to bless these people because that's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit everybody in that land. In our country, we have the privilege to influence the power of our government because the power of our government <clears throat> rests with the people. It's how our constitution is set up. So we seek to influence the country, the state, the county, and our city to act in line with God's ways because that is what's going to be best for everybody around us. Governments <clears throat> and their laws provide a teaching and a gatekeeping function for the people that live in them. Laws and policies, they teach adults and especially children what's morally acceptable. We tend to think if it's legal, then it must be okay to do. Or I won't get prosecuted for this, so it must be okay for me to do it. I was checking out at the store a couple months ago and all of a sudden, the guy at the register, he just stopped. And I'm, I was wondering what he was doing. And he was watching somebody walk out of the store. And he said, they just stole a bunch of laundry detergent. And I said, aren't, aren't you going to do something about it? And he said, no, we're, we've been told not to do anything about it. See, when something harmful is legalized or not prosecuted, or it's not even worth the store to, to catch them because they know they're just going to release the, the criminals, it opens the gate for many to explore that path, that harmful path for them. So Christ followers should seek to influence government to establish and maintain laws that protect all. We need to vote for men and women who will establish laws and policy for the good of the people and uphold what is truly just and righteous before God. This is one way that we can seek the welfare of our country, 
Another thing that we see from Jeremiah 29 is that we need to grow in discernment uh, to understand the moral implications for the laws and the policies that are getting implemented in our country or the, the things that we are voting on. We need to develop some discernment in these areas. Check out verses 8 and 9. What it says, it says, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that you are prophesying, that they, they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Politicians, lawmakers, they can make anything sound good by choosing carefully choosing words and make misleading statements or make things that are just going to be terrible for us sound really good. We've got to develop discernment in this area. God wants us to engage in this challenge to of knowing our candidates' positions and their moral and the moral implications for what they're advocating for us to do. When government establishes laws and policies that go against God's view, people are more inclined to explore what's going to do damage to themselves and to others. The gate is left wide open. And there are a lot of areas in our culture right now where policies and laws have been made that have left the gate open for people to do a lot of damaging things. So we need to engage and seek the welfare of our country. If I were to ask you how politically engaged you are, we'd all have different responses, different variations of of what we are. Some read a lot of articles about things, about candidates and policies and where our country is heading, headed. Um, Others may take the next step of posting something on social media and taking a stand uh, for something. But... Um, some some of us just think, ah, I'm too busy for politics. I don't have time for that. Or some may, be very, may just not value being informed that much. I don't want to get tangled up in any kind of debate on anything. Jeremiah is giving us some commands here of, of what to do. We need to seek the welfare of the place that we live. And that's a way that we show love to others. And so by voting for things that are going to bless people, we can show love to the people around us. So what are some practical ways that we can do this? How can we influence government for good? The first way is to to vote. Uh, We have the right and privilege to vote in our country. And given our government system, it's really it's a stewardship and responsibility, uh, the role that we have been given to play here in America. Voting is a... way to be engaged in the direction of our country and where it's going. We need to vote our conscience. That's one of the things that we we need to do. For a Christ follower, that means knowing God's viewpoint on these issues and so that we can make the choices to vote for the things that are going to be in line with God's viewpoint on things. Uh, MyVoice.org is an organization that can help with knowing God's values, knowing God's ways as it applies to politics. Um, on the back of the handout, I have um, included a link to a place that has a spot for different uh, political parties. And you can look and see their, the party platforms and 
Uh, they have verses on there to look and see what, what lines up with God's ways um, in those party, uh, those political party um, platforms. As we are voting, we also need to know where the candidate aligns with these biblical values as well. So you can look on candidates' websites and do some research that way to, to figure that out. So the first way that we influence the government for good is to vote. The next way is to communicate with those who represent us. Since we live in a republic, we have a duty to communicate to the, to our views to government leaders um, with the goal to influence it for good. Take a look at Acts 24, 24 through 25, where uh, Paul is talking to a government leader, Felix. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and uh, he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in, in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned with righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. For the present, when I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness. What's right before God to do in these situations and self-control? That's what Paul was reasoning with him. And there are ways for us to do that with our representatives as well. It's actually fairly easy to meet our local representatives. They'll have coffee, coffee times um, for people to go and meet them, or um, you can call or email. Um, that's a little harder to get through the gatekeepers in that situation. But there's ways for us to get to know them. Now, knowing what is going on, it can be overwhelming. It's it's a lot. There's so many pieces of legislation happening. There's so much going on in the political arena. It can be hard to know what do I focus on when I only have so much time. I don't have a full-time job to figure all this stuff out. Well, there's some good organizations that I want to give to you that could be a help in this area so you don't have to keep an eye on everything that's happening. But when something big is going on, they'll send out alerts to you so you you can email your representative or give them a call. Uh, to be involved in, in what's going on. So some helpful organizations for this are the California Family Council. Um, there's a Capital Resource Institute and the Family Research Council. You can go to these websites. You can sign up for alerts, and they will send you an alert when something big is going on that it, it would help for you to contact your representative about. <clears throat> Often they'll send a sample phone script or an email, too, that helps you to do that. Communicating with our leaders is just a practical way that we can seek the welfare of our city. Another practical way to influence is to carry on reasonable conversations. Politics can bring up emotions that we didn't even know we had. We Have you ever gotten into a conversation and thought, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't even think I cared that much about that. If we talk about the issues in a gracious, well-informed, reasonable way, then we can build trust and we can share God's view of things, which lines up with the way that he's created life to work. And if we can share his viewpoints and, and help people to come to know that, then we can establish these policies and laws that are going to be good for the people around us. There's a series of videos from the uh, Colson Center called What Would You Say? 
And they do a good job of helping inform people of what the Bible has to say on certain topics. Take a look at this video, um, which is how to have a, a just a conversation that might be a little uncomfortable. Take a look at what they have to say here. You're in a conversation with a friend or a family member, and it's clear you have different values or convictions about a given topic. You want to have a productive conversation, but you don't want to come across as pushy or dogmatic. What would you say? When you're discussing a hard topic, it can be difficult to navigate the conversation without shutting down the person you're talking to or being shut down. That's why it's important to go into a conversation with the right motive and a game plan. The next time you're about to have a hard conversation, here are two principles to remember. Number one, think like you're planting a garden, not harvesting a crop. Before there can be any harvest, there always has to be a season of, let's just call it, gardening. I want you to think of the words of Jesus at the end of John chapter 4. He is talking to the woman at the well. She went off to Sychar, and then the disciples come in. And here's what he says to them. He says, you are about to reap where you did not sow. Notice what Jesus is identifying there. One field, but two seasons and two types of workers. You have a sowing and a reaping season, a gardening and a harvesting season. You have sowers and reapers. You have gardeners and harvesters. And unless the gardening is done well, the harvest isn't going to happen. So my encouragement is, in tough situations, focus on the gardening, not on the harvesting. Don't worry about that. When the gardening is done well, the harvest is easy because ripe fruit falls right into the basket. Number two, use questions to make headway while still staying safe. Questions are your main gardening tools. Why questions? Well, first of all, they're polite. You're showing an interest in the other person. You're drawing that person out. You're understanding what they think as they talk. Good manners. But secondly, what questions do is they help you gather information. You don't know about this individual or maybe about the details of their views. And so as you're asking questions, you're getting more information that will help you to know how to move forward. A third thing that questions do is they force other people to think about exactly what they do believe. Lots of times people haven't thought through the slogans that they use to oppose you. This requires when you ask questions that they think more about it and they understand more clearly what their ideas entail. You need to know that, they need to know that. Most importantly though, is that questions put you in the driver's seat of the conversation. And that's where you want to be. You want to be in charge of the conversation even though you're not doing all the talking. In fact, you're doing very little of the talking at this particular point. What you're doing is drawing them out. You're using the gardening tool that is most effective asking questions to draw them out and when you're doing this your own views are not on the line their views are and if your own views are not on the line you are safe there is no vulnerability for you at this particular point and you're directing the conversation the way you want it to go by the questions that you ask so the next time you're about to have a hard conversation remember these two principles number one Think like you're planting a garden, not harvesting a crop. And number two, use questions to make headway while staying safe. 
those are just some practical ways to have conversations with people. Ask lots of questions. Communicate that you're interested in their viewpoints and, and what they're saying. And it's not fake. You, you really are. You want to help them. You want to, you want to know where they're coming from on these things. And that's a great way to have good conversations with people. I really appreciate that, that video and the instruction that it gives. A fourth way to influence the government for good is to step up or maintain involvement in church life. Um, this might seem a little off from what we're talking about. So how does involvement in church life, how does that make, make sense for influencing uh, government for good? Well, people are blessed when the government acts in line with God's ways. But the ultimate way to seek the welfare of the city is to help individuals become Christ followers. It's through a personal relationship with Christ that people will be able to live life God's way and experience life the way that God has designed it to be. We, um, when we have baptisms here at Church in the Valley, um, they make a statement. The statement is, Jesus is my Lord and the Bible is my God. God loves us. He wants what's best for us. The Bible is our guide for life. It instructs us. It shows us how to live life God's way. That is the ultimate way that we are going to seek welfare for people, is to help people come to know Jesus Christ personally. Sometimes God's ways aren't easy that we see in the Bible, and the church community will help us to choose to do the right things. We're shocked when we see some things in the Bible like, pray for your leaders or your enemies, love your love them and pray for them. Thing is, God is the creator of the world. He knows what's going to be best for us in life. And as we take his word seriously and apply it to our lives, it's going to bless us. It's going to bless the people around us. All the good government in the world is not going to meet people's deepest needs, which is a personal relationship with the creator God of the universe. So we want to influence our society and our culture as much as we can without forgetting what the ultimate thing that we want to help people with is, and that is to share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ, and help people come to know Him. Our mission at Church in the Valley is inviting our neighbors to discover Christ through His life-changing community. Join with us at your own pace Seek the welfare of Ontario Ranch and the neighboring communities by helping people to discover a relationship with Christ. You can read Colossians 3:16 and 17, which says that the Word of God should be the focus of the church's teaching and encouragement. And that's what we're going to do here at Church in the Valley and help us to do that and bring more and more people to see God's ways and, and live them out. The last thing that we have to influence the government for good is pray for your leaders. Here's a command from 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. 
This is a very clear command to pray for those in office. We want to pray for them that they would make decisions that are in line with God's truth. When, when, we, when we get laws and policies in place that aren't in line with God's cr- truth, it creates chaos. And we see that in our wo- world today. We get the privilege to influence our representatives. And we want to be good stewards of that privilege, the, the privilege that God has given us to be able to try to influence the people around us. And so I want to give you a couple next steps that you might want to take in response to the message today. Um, we, we do this uh, each week because we want people to not just hear the Word of God, but act on it, be doers of the Word. First, uh, James 1.22 talks about not being just hearers of the Word, but being doers of the Word. Um, because when you're just a hearer, it can deceive us into thinking we're more mature than we are and, and we're, we're still not acting in line with God's ways. So my encouragement to you is just to pick one way today that you can apply this. It, it can be overwhelming with all the different things that we can do to try to um, be good stewards of our privilege. But just pick one one way that you would like to apply this to the election this November. The first next step you might want to take is just to ask God to show you if I need to change my attitudes and approach to politics. Is there um, a way that you've realized, you know what, I, I just haven't been thinking rightly in this area. Maybe you're putting too much weight and hope into the politics. Or maybe you're just saying, I'm just hanging out here, just waiting for this all to be over to get to heaven. And you want to get, you need to get more engaged. Whatever it may be, write it down. Ask God to, to show you what's going on. Ask God to help you to make the changes that you need to so that you can take this responsibility, this privilege, seriously. The next way that you might want to take a next step is to circle the ways of influence to apply during the election season and then do them. So go back and look at the ways to influence our governor, government. Circle one of them and try to do that this this election cycle. Um, we want to be good stewards of the country that God has given us, and we want to try to influence it to turn from, from going in ways that are way against God to turn back to go towards God's ways. Would you pray with me as we try to do that? God, we thank you so much that you've allowed us to live in the country that we, have, that we are in, that we can um, influence the policies and the laws. I pray that they would be influenced for good. They would be influenced for for you, that you would help us to take this stewardship uh, seriously and to act responsibly and and to start to really influence the people around us for, for good, to seek the welfare of our city. Help us to do this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.